Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Undefined Gen, a podcast about young people doing awesome things. I'm your host, Marissa Comstock. You can find us at theundefinedgen.com with links to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Like, comment, share, and definitely, definitely leave a review on iTunes. It'll take you a minute and make me super happy. You will fuel my happiness for an entire day. That makes you super powerful. I'm so excited about this week's episode with my friend, the phenomenally talented Maximilian Uriarte. He's a veteran, former Marine, and creator of Terminal Lance, a wildly popular webcomic about the Marine experience. Max released his first graphic novel last year called The White Donkey, which was on the New York Times bestseller list and has received rave reviews for its honest depiction of life as a Marine and the Marine experience in Iraq. It grapples with many emotions and issues that Marines go through, including reintegrating into civilian life, the isolation experienced, and the reality of PTSD, all with gorgeous illustrations done entirely by Max. I went to art school with Max in Oakland, uh, where we both studied animation, so it was awesome catching up with him after all these years. Um, This episode is a little longer than usual, but I think um, Max has so many interesting things to say. I was fascinated with this experience, and since I know very little about the military experience in general, I had so many questions for him, and I think his answers are really important. First, we'll talk about his graphic novel, The White Donkey, and the background of the story. Next, we'll get into the characters a bit, as well as talk about the implications of the question that every veteran is tired of hearing, have you killed anyone? We'll then get into Terminal Lance, how Max took on the role of artist and photographer for the Marine Corps, and how he addresses issues like gays and transgender people in the military with his comics. Finally, we'll get into a post-discussion about some more moments from The White Donkey. All right, let's get started. I like your um little description just like I am old (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know I uh I haven't been on Skype forever I I FaceTime everybody now I don't Mm -hmm. know same yeah yeah I barely use Skype um and uh, I think I said that a long time ago but I am actually old as shit I just turned 30 uh oh shit (laughs) yeah so I think that qualifies me as being old as shit at this point I think that's the that's the line of like (laughs) I think maybe people older would disagree, but I'll agree with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, coffee. Um, okay, are you, are we ready? Are we ready to go? Let's do it. We're doing it. Let's do it. Okay. okay. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Maximilian Uriarte, and uh, I'm the creator of Terminal Lance, uh, which is a webcomic uh, about the Marine Corps. I was in the United States Marine Corps for four years, from 2006 to 2010. Uh, I was a Marine infantryman, in 0351 assaultman. I uh, went to Iraq twice, once in 2007. I was, there in, uh, I was there until 2008, and then I went again in 2009. Uh, and so I made Terminal Lance, a comic strip, as sort of like a uh, my own way of d- dealing with the crazy experience of being in the Marine Corps, Marine Corps, and uh, yeah, I've, I've been doing that since 2010, so I started Terminal Lance in 2010, 
and I've been doing that for the last seven years now. Jesus, um, <laughs> awesome. that's a that's a long time. Um, and uh, yeah, and so then in 2013, um, I just graduated college at the California College of the Arts, and uh, I was looking for sort of like something new to jump into. Uh, and I had this idea for a graphic novel that I really wanted to do. I'd been thinking about it for a long time. And uh, so then I did a Kickstarter for that and raised, uh, well, according to the Kickstarter, about $162,000 uh, to do that. So then that locked me into that for at least another year and a half or so. And then I worked on that uh, full time. And it was a 250-page graphic novel called The White Donkey. Uh, and when I finished that at the end of 2015... Uh, I launched the book in 2016 in February, the, my own self-published version that I used the Kickstarter money to print. Um, and I printed about 5,000 copies and those all sold out in 36 hours. <laughs> um, wow. and then, uh, yeah, it was crazy. And then, uh, <laughs> and then little Brown, uh, came to me and they wanted to publish the book cause they saw how well it was selling. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I'm hoping that at least somebody thought it looked good. Uh, and uh, they, they offered to publish it. And so then Little Brown published the book. They picked it up, uh, turned it around immediately because the book was already done. So they didn't really need to do anything to it. Um, There's a couple errors that I needed to fix. But uh, yeah, and then that came out in hardcover with Little Brown Hachette um, in April. I think it was April, April 19th, 2016. Uh, the book was on the New York Times bestseller list for 14 weeks. Um, which is cool. I think that makes me technically a New York Times bestselling author, uh, which I think I get like a free sandwich at Arby's or something. I don't really know what comes with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's a, it did really well. It was it's you know it's been really well received. Um, it's got an average rating of ninety seven or ninety eight percent on Amazon or something like that. Um, so I, I heard it's good. I don't know. I read the reviews. I heard the book's good. I hope it's good. Uh, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's been pretty recent. I just I pretty much just wrapped up the book tour like within the last month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm back in LA now. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's but. talk about your book first. Um, can you? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're like just getting off the tour. Um, so the the book um, came out as or it it was an idea based on an experience you had when you were in Iraq, right? Yeah. So. Um, so the white donkey itself, literally the white donkey, which is literally a white donkey, which is a, an ass. I believe the, the the donkey is my spirit animal because I am an ass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, yeah, so the, uh, the story of the white donkey um, is pretty much just like it happens in the book. Uh, I, was in, um, I was in Iraq. Uh, this was back in 2007. And uh, this is one of my... This is my first deployment to Iraq. And um, one of my first times outside the wire... Uh, well, so here's the thing, like during training, before you get to Iraq, or at least in this, in this war specifically, before you get to Iraq, um, in training, they tell you to be on the lookout for anything suspicious in the road, any like IEDs or like any, any dirt patches in the road, any trash, any craters, any weird things in the road, uh, because anything could be an IED and it'll, which is an improvised explosive device, uh, and it'll blow up and it'll kill you and you'll, you'll die. (laughs) And, uh, what they don't tell you. Uh, before you get there, is that there's fucking trash and craters and shit all over the road. <laughs> and so, because it's a third world country, you know, so you get there and it's just trash everywhere, just garbage and all kinds of stuff all over the place. So, um, I was in a mounted platoon. We were in convoy uh, in five vehicles. 
um, the Humvees at this point. And, um, uh, so I, I was pretty convinced I was going to die. I was like, <laughs> took one look outside the window and just like saw the road. And I was like, man, I'm going to fucking die out here. This is terrible. <laughs> what a dumb idea this was. And so I was like freaking out. I like freaking out, but I was like, you know, legitimately pretty scared. Um, and again, this is like one of my first times outside the wire. Uh, and that's just leaving the base outside the wire just means leaving the base. And, um, I remember, uh, I was in the second vehicle, uh, of my platoon and we were riding down Zidon road, which is actually in the, the area we were called the area of operations is called Zidon, which is, uh, along the Euphrates river. Um, it's Southeast of Fallujah. Uh, we called it the ball sack of the Euphrates river because it, it, the Euphrates river on the map kind of dips down like a scrotum. Uh, so we were like <laughs> right, right in the middle of the, the ball sack. Uh, <laughs> And we we're driving down Zidon Road, um, and uh, all of a sudden our convoy comes to a, a complete stop. We just stop, and I was like, "Oh shit, what's going on?" You know, I thought uh, I thought for sure we had found like an IED or something because you have to stop the convoy and you got to cordon off the IED. Um, you know, that's what I thought. Uh, and so my platoon commander, who's sitting in front of me, he gets on the radio, um, and he radios up to Victor One, the first vehicle, uh, and he goes, "Vic One, this is Vic Two. Uh, why do we stop?" And then I hear over the radio, my section leader, Corporal uh, Albrecht, who's in the book, um, he radios back, uh, there's a donkey in the road. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? That's weird. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, so I, I, so when you, when you stop in a, in a convoy in a combat zone, um, usually the dismounts of the platoon have to get out of the vehicles uh, and provide security for the convoy. So I remember um, getting out. And looking uh, to the head of the platoon and seeing a white donkey. Um, and it was weird because I had never seen a white one before. I don't know. Like, I, and actually in the United States, I've still never seen a white one. They're pretty common in the Middle East and in Mexico. But uh, So there's this white donkey in the middle of the road. Um, and it's this really small two-lane highway. Um, and uh, it wasn't, so it wasn't like crossing the road. And it wasn't like just standing there doing anything weird. It was uh, walking dead center in the middle of the road in the same direction that we were going as if it was leading the convoy. Um, and and there's something about that image. It just like stuck in my head. It just burned into my head. It's probably because it's like 130 degrees outside and I was having a like, heat stroke <laughs> or something. But it's like sort of a uh, beautiful, uh, poignant moment for me where it was the sort of realization that such a benign animal was. Uh, so, you know, you have like, all the power and the might of the United States military, you know, we've got uh, 23 Marines packed into these five vehicles, loaded to the teeth with all kinds of weapons and, and ammo and, and rifles and machine guns and grenades and grenade launchers. And, um, you know, just the, the all of the, the, the gutzpah of the United States military backing us uh, all brought to a screeching halt uh, by the most benign, stupid animal <laughs> the ass <laughs> literally the ass and um yeah that was a that was a, a moment for me i guess but then you know in real life the donkey just sort of trotted off the road uh and we drove past it and then i never saw it again which is really weird too because i we drove past that same point on the road every day and i always looked for the white donkey again and i never saw it again mm -hmm. uh yeah so in the book um that that moment that same sort of situation that's how abe sees the white donkey for the first time um and but in the book that the white donkey really takes on a larger role um and sort of plagues him throughout the book 
the new, the two main characters are characters that you have in Terminal Lance, um, Abe and Garcia, correct? Yeah, yeah. So um, Abe is Abraham Blatsko. Blatsko is his last name, but just like so, Abe Abe's really based on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's and my last name was too hard to pronounce in the Marine Corps. What do you think? Like it was starts with a U. It's weird. Like nobody nobody knows how to pronounce it when they see it. So everybody in my platoon always just called me Max. Um, so uh, Abe in the book is Abe Balatsko, but his name's too hard to pronounce, so everybody just calls him Abe. Um, and Garcia is uh, Jesus Garcia, and uh, Garcia is his last name. He's they're they're essentially best friends uh, in the story, and uh, they are um, so they're, like they're they're from the com- the web comic. Like you would have seen them first in the web comic, and over the years I used them in the web comic, um, but I actually created them with the express intent to use them in the white donkey because I actually started writing the white donkey in 2010. So the idea was that I was like, well, I have these characters and this is a terminal Lance book. So I'm going to put these characters in the webcomic now so that people get used to these characters. And then by the time I actually finish making this book, if I ever do, um, people will know who they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it ended up working out that way. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. The master so, plan. <laughs> Yeah, so it's weird because most people think that they, you know, came from the webcomic, but they actually really came from the book, and I put them in the webcomic and made them the main characters in the webcomic so that the book would, you know, people would know them without really needing to... It's Inception. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's a creation within a creation. It's a dream within a dream. <laughs> Such a better movie than Interstellar. That movie made me so mad. Really? I'm the opposite. I loved Interstellar and Inception. I was like, meh. Really? Yeah. Uh, Interstellar maybe so. So I'm a huge like space physics nerd. Yeah. Like I've watched every space and physics TED talk on <laughs> that exists, and like I'm just I, I like read about space and physics like every night. I'm literally considering going back to school and becoming an astrophysicist. <laughs> really? <laughs> Which is stupid, but you know whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but Interstellar. So it's for scientifically, so Interstellar was great, but I felt like the movie. Uh, dramatically was like so over the top and like the whole thing with her brother being like this crazy alcoholic and like what, you, what is this oh, like yeah. is this and it was just, like bad storytelling I felt like like I felt like the science behind it was really great but the storytelling was really bad whereas Inception was the exact opposite I felt like the storytelling was really good but the science was like fucking garbage <laughs> for me what I look for in movies like, I'm not really as into story I really like visual stuff and so I thought Interstellar was gorgeous and Inception I was like like Inception wasn't visually rich enough to be a dream movie. Really? Yeah. There's like the whole thing where the world starts collapsing on itself, and like it's it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. I'll, <laughs> I'll reconsider. <laughs> yeah. Interstellar was great. Oh, it was. It was. I can't say great because I really didn't like it. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely like don't think Interstellar was a perfect movie and when people tell me they don't like it I'm like yeah I could whatever but it just kind of like hit all the notes I need in a movie so I like really enjoyed it you know? <laughs> like yeah. nondescriptly angry <laughs> brothers trying to beat their sister like yes. I didn't... <laughs> yeah that, that was it <laughs> that part just that word that really threw me off yeah Next, we're going to get into the characters in The White Donkey, as well as touch on veteran suicide and PTSD. We'll also discuss the implications of a question that is often asked by people here at home to veterans and current military when they return. The question, have you killed anyone? We'll then follow that by the question that you should be asking instead. Like, the idea of Abe and Garcia as the two characters is Abe is the more um, kind of, like, skeptical one, right? Yeah, so Abe, um, 
he's very disillusioned with, yes. with the Marine Corps. You know, he's very disgruntled. Uh, he's, he's like I was. Um, and really, so Abe and, uh, and Garcia, um, the way that I wrote them are actually more like two different halves of myself. Um, and so there's a kind of metaphorical significance to the two characters. Abe is Jewish and Garcia is Mexican and I'm, I'm half and half. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I was born in Corvallis, Oregon. My mom lives in Portland. Abe is from Portland. Garcia is from Corvallis. Uh, we're my like dad's side of the family. My Mexican side is in Corvallis. Um, and so they really are, rep they kind of represent two different halves of myself. And so like when I was in the Marine Corps, I had this kind of constant battle of like, I fucking hate this. This is stupid. We're doing dumb shit every day. I don't want to be here. This is terrible. Being in Iraq sucks. It's hot. <laughs> Just complaining about everything because it's horrible. It's pretty bad. <laughs> and uh, uh, but then the other half of me is like, well, I mean, you literally signed up for this. Like, this is sort of like exactly what you wanted, you know, like because I was dumb enough to be like, man, I did like going to Iraq and being shot at. That sounds so fun. <laughs> Not fun, but that's sort of what I was looking for was this like really miserable experience to like gain some sort of uh, life journey experience, enlightenment out of it or whatever. Uh, which I also talk about in the book as being a kind of like very arrogant sort of uh, viewpoint, you know, uh, trying to gain enlightenment at the expense of um, a very serious uh, war on the global stage is sort of a, a very arrogant uh, way to look at the world, I think. And so that, that's addressed in the book. Um, as I kind of dissected my own um, reasonings, my own sort of like naivety, going into the Marine Corps is, is really what this book was about, was sort of like examining my own uh, thoughts and feelings of purpose for the Marine Corps and like dissecting it in a way that so that I could really process it. And then I felt like if I put that information out there in a really honest and blunt way, um, it might be able to help other people kind of come to terms with their own experiences uh, in the Marine Corps. And maybe, um, well, so, I mean, one of the big reasons I made the book uh, to go off into a tangent that doesn't answer your question about the characters, but one of the reasons <laughs> I made about, uh, the book in the first place is because, uh, you know, veteran suicide is, is a really huge, uh, really serious issue uh, in the Marine Corps. And, you know, I, as an Iraq veteran, I remember coming home and really struggling uh, to reintegrate, to really like, um, when you come home from Iraq, you're so mad. <laughs> I don't know what it is that you're just like, you're angry at everything. And everything is like an affront to your manhood too, you know? Uh, somebody asks you a question about Iraq and it's just like, you want to fight about it? Like you just, <laughs> like everything, it just makes you so angry. You're like, and I don't even know why, like I really don't. And so that part of making the book was really kind of, uh, dissecting that, trying to figure that out because veteran suicide is such a huge issue. Um, there's a really common statistic thrown around a lot in the veteran community. Uh, they say 22 veterans a day, every day kill themselves in suicide. It's, a, um, veterans actually are the number one my dog is eating in the background sorry. <laughs> i don't know if you can hear that but so sorry this is a serious subject yeah. but um so veterans are uh the number one demographic in the united states uh to commit suicide um and that's a very real very sobering statistic and i've known personally uh four veterans that have uh, killed themselves and one of them was a very good friend of mine uh tyler Cohn. uh and back in 2012 i flew out to nebraska uh, to go to his funeral um, I, was, I went to Iraq with him twice and, uh, you know, it's really, uh, it sucks. <laughs> and so I wanted to try to delve into that subject and really figure out like what it is that veterans are carrying with them. Um, 
that causes this? Like, what what is the story of the veteran? Like, how did I get to that point? Um, and I felt like if I if I could dissect that and figure it out and put it out there so that other veterans could see it, um, maybe they could gain something from watching someone else go through the same thing that maybe they went through, and maybe it would inspire them in some way to either get over their own issues to really confront their own problems that they might uh, be able to identify with in the book, uh, or they might you know be able to go get help if they need it. Um, and so that's that's really what that's that's sort of the fundamental reason I made the book. Um, and what I, what I at least thought that I could get out of it uh, was by helping other veterans. And it's, it's a really brutally honest book. It's, uh, you know, I think you'll see it's not, um, you know, I think, I think people can get turned off by the idea of reading a, a book from a veteran about Iraq as being this really, like, patriotic, you know, mm-hmm. thing or whatever. And it's really not because that's not me, you know. I mean, I am super patriotic. I love America. It's the greatest country on earth. But... Um, you know, I, I wanted to be honest with my own experience in the Marine Corps because it is a really shitty experience. <laughs> and so that that's really at the forefront of it is like being it's a it's an honest story um, that does not glorify anything. If anything, it, it calls into question pretty much everything. Absolutely. I, I was looking at a few of the vignettes and um, uh, like one of the uh, one of the comics, uh, it's it's like I think Abe is in a bar and there's a man and a woman talking to him. And the man is like, oh, like, I heard you went to Iran. And he's like, oh, actually, it's Iraq. And then he's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, like, did you kill people? And, like, the other woman's like, oh, it's that's scary. And, um, you know, <laughs> you see him sitting there and he feels um, maybe isolated or just, like, awkward and, you know. Yeah. Um, um, you know, that, that question, every veteran in the world has been asked, have you killed somebody? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's the worst question Mm-hmm. to ever to ever ask somebody and the reason is because you know going to war going to iraq going to you know do any of this stuff uh is a very personal experience mm-hmm. and um you know if it, there, there's no good answer to it either and the only reason the civilians ask this question is to sort of validate their own expectations of your experience mm-hmm. um so like let's say you know i am an iraq veteran and you're like did you kill anybody while you're over there it's like for one if i did kill anybody that's terrible i don't want to talk about that it's horrible uh, and you're going to think I'm psycho. <laughs> like that's the only outcome of that answer. And then if I say no, you're going to go, Oh, well, it must not have been that bad, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you, you basically write off the entire experience. You basically invalidate the entire experience. And it's like, well, I went to the other side of the world and got shot at for seven months. Like, yeah, I didn't kill anybody, but there's a lot more to it than, you know, what you're kind of giving it credit for. And there's no, there's no reason to divulge that information. And it, it's such a personal thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, there's, there's just no good answer to it. Um, and and it's, it's, it sucks when you get asked that question because you're put on the spot and it's just like, you know, how do mm-hmm. I don't answer Because I've, I've um, you know, I've pointed guns at people before. And to make a decision on the fly of whether or not you're going to kill somebody is, and you have a split second to make that decision, uh, is the hardest decision I've ever made in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can't imagine. Um, <laughs> but I think, I don't know, maybe maybe like a different question would be like what, because um, there does seem to be, I mean, there is a disconnect between like a civilian experience and someone who's been in the military. Um, and so when people ask those questions that are inappropriate or just kind of callous, um, what what do you wish people understood about you know the military experience or is there a question that you wish people asked instead 
you know? Um, you know, so that's, there's, I have a funny story uh, to answer that. So one time I, my dog's walking around. It's a hardwood floor. So he's like. <laughs> I actually can't hear <laughs> it. Oh, okay. Sorry. I keep talking about my dog. He's great. Um, <laughs> Max? Charlie, get a- Wait, what's your dog's name? I'm Max. I know. I know you're Max. <laughs> <laughs> he's Charlie. Charlie. He's- that's right. I'm sorry. I just like always see. I'm like, oh, your dog's name is Max. But it's like, obviously, <laughs> you didn't name yeah. your dog after you. <laughs> yeah, people uh, people do that all the time. Because actually, statistically, Max is the number one name in the United States for dogs. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> no, it's a dog no. name. I have a dog name. <laughs> um, <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> he's Charlie. Yeah. He's Charlie. I'm, yeah. Um, no, so, but to answer your question, uh, so one time I was out to dinner, um, with my ex girlfriend and her family and, uh, her aunt was there and, uh, you know, it's pretty common knowledge and I'm, I'm a Marine cause I'm sort of famous for it. And, um, so she was like, you know, oh, you're, you're an Iraq veteran and, and she starts kind of asking me about it and I, I'm expecting the same bullshit question that I get about it all the time like it was it hot <laughs> it's like it's the Middle East it's fucking 130 degrees yeah it's hot um, <laughs> and uh, she asked me a question that nobody else had ever asked me before in in regard to the experience of going to Iraq and it was uh, what did you learn <laughs> and I was I didn't even know how to answer it I was like wow that's a really good question I don't know what I learned like that's that's weird I have no idea how to even answer that um, and I think that the white donkey was my way of answering that question of like, what did I learn in this whole experience? And not just Iraq, but the Marine Corps experience as a whole. Um, what did I take away from that? Uh, and um, I think that question is a good question to ask a veteran. Uh, you know, what did you what did you take away from that experience? I think it's something that every veteran should kind of ask themselves um, rather than did you kill anybody? We'll now get into Terminal Lance and how Max took on the role of artist and photographer for the Marine Corps, giving him the opportunity to travel, sketch, and photograph life as a Marine in Iraq. Max also um, talks about current events and policy changes that he has addressed with Terminal Lance, like gays in the military, as well as transgender people. You started Terminal Lance when you were in the Marines, like during your second tour, correct? Or you you were working as an artist and a photographer at that time? Yes, so- yeah. Um, so my first deployment, I, I mean, by MOS, I was, I was a grunt. I was infantry. Um, I was a 0351, which is an infantry assaultman. Uh, we used to shoot rockets and things. So that wasn't what I did in Iraq because they had no purpose for that job when I got to Iraq the first time. So they turned me into a turret gunner. Uh, I was essentially a machine gunner. So then I, I got a 50 cal and I was a, a turret gunner on my MRAP, um, which is a big vehicle. It's like a big Chevy Suburban, but armored and everything. Um, the second time I went to Iraq, uh, so, well, so let me go back up here. So the first time I was in Iraq, it sort of came out somehow that I was a really good artist and photographer or whatever. Um, I was like the art guy and, uh, I became like the go-to art guy in the battalion. I became like the guy that I was like, Oh, we need a fucking wall mural painted. So then go get Max. Cause he knows. <laughs> what so then that sort of spread. And once once you become the artist Marine, like it sucks because then like anytime there's like any stupid fucking thing that they need, like you're the guy that they go to. Um, like all their <laughs> tattoos. Or... Yeah. Tattoos. Like, you know, I got so many tattoos. I do so many tattoos. Um, and uh, yeah. So then, so then my second deployment rolls around and I was a squad leader at this point. Uh, and, uh, but I, I, so I had tried to lat move which is to, to change your MOS, uh, to change your job. 
to a uh, combat photographer. <laughs> I, don't know what my dog's doing. Um, I tried. I tried to change. Sorry, he's in the background just doing weird things. Um, I tried to change my job to combat photographer because I was really interested in it. And I felt like you know I could do a good job in that um, outside of being in the infantry. Um, and they said no. <laughs> they were like no, no. And I was like okay. So I was a squad leader for a while, but that news was around that I was sort of the infantry. I was sort of the, the battalion art guy. So um, my second deployment rolls around, and we're training. So we hadn't left for Iraq yet. And my new battalion commander, he comes up to me and he's like, hey, I know you're really into doing art and photography and stuff. Do you want to have this really weird job and be like the battalion art dude and like attached to the combat photography shop and be a combat artist, which is actually a real MLS in the Marine Corps. Um, and I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Let's do it. So um, we went to Iraq again in 2009 um, and I acted as a combat photographer slash artist for the whole time. I ended up doing more photography than art um, because there was less need for art than there was photography. Um, combat photography is a lot of uh, documentation work. It's a lot of um, some of it's secret stuff too. Like you got to go out and do route clearance and document new routes and things like that. Um, but a lot of it uh, is like prisoner releases. I had to document the faces as they got off the truck and. Um, and some of it was just fun. Like, yeah, I got to go out and embed with a platoon with no objective. And it was just like capture photo. <laughs> and that's all I had to do was just take photos of Marines for like a week. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, that was that was a really cool job. And I also got to do sketching. And I, I pretty much got to do like whatever I wanted. Because <laughs> yeah. my OIC was uh, a chief warrant officer and he didn't care. So <laughs> he, he had no idea what to do with me. So uh, they kind of just let me do whatever I wanted as long as I was producing work um, for the battalion. And um so yeah, so that was my whole second deployment in Iraq, and I was traveling all over the place because uh, I needed um, photographers to document things in different areas. So uh, you know, and I so I, usually when I, during my second deployment in Iraq, I would uh, hop on a C-130 plane and just like fly to some place off in the any part of Iraq. So I got to see like the whole country uh, the second time I was there, which was really cool. Um, just kind of flying all over the place and doing photo and art for Marines, which was pretty cool. Uh, and yeah, so that was my second deployment. So I hadn't made Terminal Lance yet, but I had, um, I thought of the idea back in 2008. I was like, I, I thought Terminal, I actually came up with the name Terminal Lance and I was like, this would be a really cool comic. Um, but I just, you know, I was so busy. I didn't really get a chance to actually sit down and start doing it. Um, so then we came back from Iraq, uh, in 2000, late 2009, I think in September. And, um, so when a, when a Marine and they're in the infantry, they're in an infantry battalion, when they do two deployments, uh, since a, an enlistment's only four years long, um, it was a normal one, like mine was, um, standard enlistment's four years long, you do two deployments, they got to get their two deployments out of you, so they, they get those out of you, so they got their second deployment out of me, uh, and then you're sort of free to do like whatever, like they don't really care, because you're like a super senior at that point, you're not going to do the next deployment, so they don't really give a shit what you do, <laughs> and so you, you usually try to like, um, it's called fapping, which I know is you know, nowadays is a different <laughs> connotation to it. Uh, but in the Marine Corps, fapping means you, you fap over to a different uh, job. You go do something else on the base. So I was like, well, hey, you know, I worked with ComCam. I'll go fap over to the ComCam shop. Uh, so I went to the ComCam, Comet camera, Comet photography uh, shop. Uh, and while I was there, um, I was doing that. So I was working at the base Comet photography shop in Hawaii, um, Marine Corps base Hawaii. And then... Uh, so in 2000, January 5th, 2010, about a month prior to that, I had 
Googled my way through building a website. And um, I really wanted to do this comic strip. I knew that nobody was going to help me do it. So I was just like, I just got to start doing it. You know, I just got to start putting it out there and people will come to it. You know, just but I just got to throw it out there. I don't know how to do it. So I had to like figure out how to build a website. Uh, so I built this like crappy WordPress site back in 2010 and like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, through Google and uh, uh, put it up on January 5th. And then I, I literally was like printing out flyers and business cards myself and like pasting them up in the barracks and you're um, getting the word out as organically as I could. Because uh, I wanted to, I wanted Marines to read it. I wanted, you know, the lower enlisted, my guys, my type of people, uh, not the higher up people. Because before Terminal Lance uh, came out, there really wasn't anything like it. Um, there was one other comic strip, which doesn't exist anymore, which I'm sort of proud of. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel bad sometimes. But, you know, mm-hmm. what do you do? there was this other comic strip called, like, Semper Tunes. Um, it was, like, Semper Fi, but Semper Tunes. Uh, and... Uh, it was, it was just like, you know, really family-friendly, sort of motivated thing. And I, I felt like it wasn't really true to my experience in the Marine Corps. Like, it didn't really represent the, like, angry voice of the infantry Marine that I, I mm-hmm. had, like, known. Uh, so I wanted to make a comic strip that really reflected that honest uh, voice of the infantry Marine that, that I knew throughout my enlistment. Uh, so I, I put it out and... Uh, Really, so like it, it was sort of snowballing a little bit. Like I remember, I remember when I was getting like a hundred hits a day on the website, and then it bumped up to a thousand, um, just through word of mouth, and that was cool. Um, but then the the newspaper, the wow. Military Times, uh, the Marine Corps Times, they did a story on it, um, and then that bumped it up. I think the day that story came out, I was starting to get like thirty thousand hits a day on the site, um, and then now, I mean, now I'm getting you know around hundred to two hundred thousand a day, so. Um, and I think per month we have over a million unique visitors a month, mm-hmm. and, but it's usually 5 million, uh, impressions, which is pretty, pretty good. It's actually one of the num- probably the number one military blog in the, in the world, uh, which is crazy. But, um, yeah, so it, it snowballed from there after the Marine times did that story, it just like went crazy from there. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, I didn't have that much longer in the Marine Corps after that. So, um, so it came out January, and then I got out of the Marine Corps in, uh, in well, so I went on terminal leave in April, because my EA, my end of active service date was in May. So then I left, went back to Portland, uh, and then I started going to school that fall at CCA, which is where I met you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so for seven years, you've been doing two comics a week. Three a week, actually. Three one, a week? Yeah. One one is an original comic that goes into the newspaper in the Military Times. So I've, I've been working with the Military Times for seven years, too, uh, mm-hmm. since the end of 2010. Um, yeah, so three a week since since then. <laughs> what, um, I'm just curious about your process. Like, you're just always coming up with these ideas. I don't know. You know, it's crazy. There's like 800 comics now. Yeah. And I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? Jesus. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, I was only in for four years, too. But there's, there's just, like, always something that's funny, you know, that you can just, like, look at. Um, I, I mean, I really do. I do have a process for it. Like, you know, I, um, I sit down and I think of some bullet point ideas. And the bullet points are usually sort of... That comedy writing is, a, is a, as a general thing. It's like, a, you know, I've, I've worked out my own process for it. Because um, that's what this is at the end of the day. It's just comedy writing. You're writing jokes. You got to set them up, and you got to put them out in a comic strip. 
so I write down bullet points. I take a, I sit down, I have a cup of coffee, and I have a list, and I just like bullet point ideas. And it's just a general idea. It's like, you know, women in the infantry, or uh, staff sergeant hates me, or something. You know, like these are just general things. And then I take that idea if I like it, and I go, how do I turn this into a punchline? How do I turn this into a joke? What's the funniest way to depict this? Um, and then once I have the punchline, which is always the third panel, um, so I start with the third panel, and I'm like, this is the, the punchline of the joke. Then I go to the first panel, and I say, well, this is the setup, so I got to set this up. And then the second panel is the last thing I do, which is just the carry. I call it the carry. I've made up these names. I call it the carry. Because <laughs> the carry is the first panel to the third panel. Um, and that's essentially my process for making every strip is just like, how do I set up this joke? How do I make a joke? And then how do I set it up? And then how do I get there? Um, and try to do that visually too with the comic. So, and yeah. Terminal Lances, um, it's satirical. Were you ever afraid that the Marine Corps was going to say something to you? Or were you ever afraid of any negative reaction? Or oh God, I was so scared. Well, I was still active duty, like, when I was still in the Marine Corps and they had the power to fuck me over. Like, I was so worried yeah. <laughs> that they were going to drop the hammer on me. And it, it just never happened. It just never came down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really lucky, I guess. I don't know. I think that if, if somebody tried to do Terminal Lance today, um, they would shut it down immediately. They'd be like, no, <laughs> this shit's not happening again. <laughs> but this was like in the beginning they there was no military social media like nobody knew how to deal with something like terminal lance back then and mm-hmm. so i was able to kind of like get out the gate and then i eas which is the end of my contract and then um and i couldn't stop it it was just like oh well shit yeah <laughs> and then i kept doing it you know i kept doing it um but yeah i think if, if they uh if someone tried to do the exact same thing today, they would absolutely shut it down immediately. There's no way they would let that happen again. <laughs> so, yeah, I was, I was super worried. I was so worried. Like, you get in trouble for anything in the Marine Corps. And, like, they don't even need a reason because there's literally an article called Article 134, which is just they can just cite that and be like, yeah, we don't like what you're doing. Article 134. It's not technically breaking a rule, but whatever. Get <laughs> over with it. Um, yeah. So yeah, the Marine Corps. Uh, I have a I have a tumultuous relationship with uh, with headquarters Marine Corps to this day. <laughs> of course, every single day you get responses from Marines that are just like super enthusiastic about your work, and people comment, and there's so much conversation around it. But have have you ever gotten a like a positive response from maybe someone higher in the Marines that you weren't expecting? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I'm, uh, the Commandant of the Marine Corps is literally the highest. There is. <laughs> he's 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 in charge of the entire Marine Corps. He's he's the four star general in charge of it. Um, mm-hmm. He's a fan. He's a fan of Terminal Lands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's cool. Um, I've talked to him a couple of times. He's he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I I've I have people in all kinds of places. <laughs> uh, general Mattis actually. General Mattis. He's uh, he's going to be the new Secretary of Defense here in the next uh, week or so. Uh, mm-hmm. Whenever Trump takes over. Um, he's the new sec def that he's going to be the new secretary of defense. And he, I, I've met him a few times. He's a, he's a fan of terminal Lance. Uh, <laughs> he, he's a Marine. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, lots of, lots of people that you wouldn't expect. You know, I, I'm surprised, uh, or I've been surprised over the years. Um, I actually don't get a lot of negative reaction to terminal Lance. Like, and I, I think that people in general as Marines really respect how honest it is. Like, it's like, I make fun of it. I make fun of the Marine Corps and I make these jokes about the Marine Corps, but it's with the common understanding that I went through this and like, I understand we all know that this is right. And we all know that this is true, that it's shitty and we have to laugh about it. Um, 
so it's I've I was surprised at how little negative feedback I actually got with Terminal Lance because I was expecting to get a lot more mm-hmm. uh, than I did. Like you know, very very rarely do I get like just the the butthurt high and tight motivator that comes out like how dare you denigrate my Marine Corps? You know, just like oh. get stupid about it. It happens every once in a while, but it's really not that often. Not as often as you would think. Yeah, it must be like novel. <laughs> just like oh. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I'm like, oh yeah, one of these. I haven't had one of these in a long time. Uh, well, in in terms of because um, you've like telling all these stories, you've you've affected so many people's lives, and um, your book was cathartic for you, and hopefully cathartic for people to read who've been through that experience. Has anyone um, come to you with your story, or like, what has been the most um, like moving thing, maybe that? someone has had like said in response to something that you've written um well so there's a couple things one uh i got an email so right after the white donkey came out um you know i put the white donkey out i was hoping that it would help people that maybe needed help uh and i got this email from a guy uh who's a soldier he's an iraq veteran um so he's not a marine that's that's all colloquial thing of referring to marines as marines soldiers are army Airmen or Air Force and Navy or sailors. Um, anyway, so he's a soldier. Uh, he sends me an email, and uh, he—it was a really weird email. So he—he—he's um, like, "Hey, man, I read your book." Uh, and my wife, who was also an Army veteran and also an Iraq veteran, had just killed herself, like literally a few weeks before this email. Uh, and so he tells me this, and I'm like, "Oh my god, it's terrible." Uh, and he said that he's been so depressed. And so just like numb, uh, and that reading my book was the first time he'd felt anything in weeks. Um, and he just wrote me an email to thank me for that. And I was like, wow, that's, I don't even know how to say, I don't even know what to say to that. Like I was so like, uh, moved by that alone. Um, and I've got, I've gotten a few responses like that that are just really like, you know, the book helped them, uh, emotionally, uh, kind of, um, deal with their own issues. Um, in a way that I, I don't think any other sort of like Hollywood depiction of the Iraq war has really been able to do. Uh, so I take a lot of pride in that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And in terminal Lance, you know, I get, I get emails all the time. I, I also like with terminal Lance, I try to kind of spearhead some issues that I think are sort of, that kind of bog the military down sometimes. Uh, the transgender thing was sort of a big deal for me. Um, because you know there was there was a lot of change that happened in the in the military over the last few years, um, the repeal of "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" uh, was a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you even remember that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that happening and being. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, like under the Bill Clinton years was uh, he introduced "Don't Ask, Don't Tell," which is you can be gay, but just don't tell anyone. You know, because if you tell anyone, we're going to kick you out of the, of the military, which is weird, right? So that's mm-hmm. a weird policy to have. And that was on that went all through the Bush years, um, which is when I was in. And well, so Obama came in 2008, so I was still in the Marine Corps when Obama came in. But um, then, like, right as I was getting out of the Marine Corps, he repealed Don't Ask, Don't Tell in 2010. Um, and uh, it was just like overnight. It was just like, boom, gay, like, gay people are allowed in the military and you can't kick them out anymore. Like, that's weird. <laughs> and uh, Marines, like, people were really upset about it. People were just like stupid about it. But I was like, you know, <laughs> the Marine Corps is already like, by far the gayest thing you'll ever do in your life. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you are just like with other men all the time. You're like making all these gay jokes just constantly. You're showering with each other. 
you probably touch another dude's penis at least once while you're in the Marine Corps, like just randomly, you know? <laughs> and so I'm like, the Marine Corps is already the gayest thing in the world. How are you going to discriminate against gay people? Um, and so that was sort of my argument in the beginning of it. This is like terminal last number 30 something. Uh, and this was my way of trying to get Marines to realize that this isn't a big deal. Stop being fucking angry about it. Cause it's stupid. Um, and that, you know, gay people are not going to destroy the military because it's already the gayest fucking thing on earth. So, <laughs> um, and that was a big deal. Like to actually have somebody come out and say that from the military community instead of being like super mad about it, which is what everybody else was. Um, and so when there's these sort of like big social issues and that happen in the military, I try to kind of be a voice of reason because I feel like it's sort of my responsibility to bring a calm to things when people are being stupid about things and people get stupid about things a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the transgender thing was another thing that sort of, uh, it, was, it was kind of the same situation. Um, you know, they, they opened it up to trans people like within the last couple of years, this is like two years ago, like a year ago. Um, and uh, of course everybody, there's a huge uproar, like, Oh my God, you know, trans people this is insane. Um, and, uh, it was, a, it was the Caitlyn Jenner thing, too. Like, the Caitlyn Jenner cover came out. And somehow, so there's these people uh, in the veteran community. I don't, I don't want to say military community, because they're not. They're veterans. They're outside of the military. So in the veteran community, um, I like to call them angry Facebook veterans. And so I've been <laughs> comics about these guys. They're just, like, these angry dudes. They're veterans. And they just sit on Facebook and, like, get mad about things. That's all they do. <laughs> That's all they do. They sit there and they complain about how the military is being run today now that they're not in it. Because back when they were in it, it was way better and it was way harder and everybody's a pussy now, um, <laughs> you know, from their point of view. So I like to, I like to make fun of these guys a lot. Uh, but so the Caitlyn Jenner thing came out and people were um, somehow, <laughs> somehow veterans turned this into an issue about them. They were like, how does Caitlyn Jenner get the award for like hero of the year when there's veterans out there who have given so much in Iraq and Afghanistan? I'm like, this has nothing to do with you. Like this specific thing, not every conversation in the U S needs to be about veterans, but you guys like to make everything about us. And it's so annoying. So I did this comic strip, um, about that and about the Caitlyn Jenner thing. Uh, and in the blog post, I do a blog post with every comic that I write. Um, I wrote about my brother who is transgender, um, and he was born my sister, but is now my brother, uh, and I, you know, put that out there in the open, I was like, look, you know, I, my brother's trans, like, and he's my brother, he looks just like, he's like, he, he now looks just like me, <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, I, I don't, I don't see a problem with any of this, and it actually changed a lot of people's minds on the transgender thing to, to like, just show them that this is normal, like, this, to put something out there like that, um, and, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, it's, it's trying to make impacts like that, trying to, to like bring a calm for the better good that I try to do with terminal ends when I can. Mm-hmm. And granted, I can't do that all the time. I can't just like harp on issues all the time. But, you know, if, if there is something that I think is overwhelmingly needs to be addressed in the veteran community, I do try to like talk about it <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to try to bring about the better good. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, there's a lot of new things happening right now, like females in the infantry. That's brand new. Like mm-hmm. literally... Uh, on a week ago, a week from today, um, the first female infantryman just hit the fleet. Like they just went to the one uh, eight, which is a battalion in uh, Camp Lejeune. So that that's a whole issue right now, <laughs> and people have all kinds of feelings about it because uh, women were not allowed in the infantry before. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a brand new thing. 
Uh, and so, you know, I'm trying again to bring a calm to it. Um, and with my, my comic strip on Friday, uh, I did the same thing, which is, you know, women are in the infantry, people are mad. They're going, oh my God, how are, why are women in the infantry? It's terrible. Marine Corps is going downhill, whatever. Thanks, Obama. Like the whole thing. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, for my part, like, I don't, like, I'm impartial to be honest, but like, if it's happening, I would rather try to calm the Marines down than get them all riled up and angry. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, from my perspective, like I'm just thinking about it realistically, like what's actually going to change? Like nothing's actually going to change. Like with this, like it's, it's not really going to change anything. So in the comic strip, the women get to the fleet, they get to their battalion. Uh, and this is, this is just the comic strip that was before, uh, the last one. Um, they get to their battalion, they get to the fleet and they check in with the duty and they're like, Hey, we're here. We're the first women, Marine infantrymen. We're ready to do infantry stuff. And the duty's just sitting there and he's like, he just looks them up and down like, I guess go to your rooms and start drinking. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what different men do when they're not fighting wars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, what, you know, what do you think is going to happen now that there's women in the infantry? They think that it's just going to like destroy the military, and I, I just don't. I don't see it. So, yeah. you know, and that's that's the kind of thing I try to do with terminal lance. Is kind of you know put that uh, bring a calm to uh, the storm when and there's lots of storms. All these angry Facebook veterans that get riled up about everything. So you know. <laughs> I don't know if, if you're supposed to talk about this, but in the next month, you're supposed to do two spinoffs from your book as well. Oh, no. So these aren't, um, they're not from the white donkey. They're, okay. they're actually, uh, so one of them, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. I put this up. Um, I can talk about this because I, I put up a uh, thing on Facebook that sort of talked about it, but, uh, I'm working on a book called the bestiary of the Marine Corps, which is, uh, I don't know if you're like I don't know if you're like a Final Fantasy fan or, um, well, so like Final Fantasy, you ever play D and D or anything like that? No. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm so cool right now? You're like, God, it's so awesome. Um, so in those games, in like D and D and Final Fantasy, you have like a monster manual. It like it's just like a book that tells you about all the different monsters and shit that you run into. And they all have like stats and they all have like a summary of what they are. And it tells you like how many hit points they have. And you know what I'm talking about? Just like a, yeah. like a monster manual, you know? Yeah. So this is the monster manual for the Marine Corps. So I'm working on that right now. <laughs> so it's just like, it's everything, all the monsters and crazy shit from the Terminal Lance comics and my own interpretations of the Marine Corps, like put into this book, uh, drawn in the Terminal Lance style. Um, it's it's called the bestiary of the Marine Corps. It's just like <laughs> it's like a guidebook to the Marine Corps of all the monsters and and crazy shit that you run into. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I, I put it up on Facebook. So um, I had the idea, and so I put it up on Facebook uh, on my page, and um, uh, and it, it was just like choose your class. It was like you join the Marine Corps and you got to pick your class. And like you either be a grunt or you be a pogue, which is a person other than grunt, uh, which is like admin and stuff. Where you be, and so like the grunt, he's got like armor and a sword, and then the pogue has like a fucking wizard hat and a book and stuff, <laughs> but he's still a marine, you know. Yeah. And then the, um, there's, there's a I, I put this up on my Facebook page, and people went crazy for it. Like it, you know, guy had like twenty thousand likes on it on the Facebook page. So I was like, yeah, I'm totally gonna do a whole book. <laughs> it's just like this whole thing where it's just sort of making fun of the Marine Corps, it's like a medieval fantasy uh, thing. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm working on that. I'm hoping to have that sort of finished by the end of the month. Um, and honestly, it's not, it's not like a ton of work. It's, it's not as like arduous as doing something like the white donkey. Um, 
And uh, I'm also working on uh, another compilation book for Terminal Hints uh, comic strips. So this will be, um, hopefully, assuming there's no hiccups in this, uh, what I want to do. Hopefully all of the comic strips I've ever done for Terminal Ants put into one giant omnibus compilation book. So this will be like 800 comics. So it'll be like a phone book of <laughs> <laughs> comic strips. So that's, that's the other one that I'm trying to get done this month too, which, um, you know, is, they're all done. All the strips are done. I just got to put them together into a book. So. Mm-hmm. Finally, Max and I had a discussion about The White Donkey, which I read over the weekend, and it is fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. It's gorgeous. It's gripping. It's so heartfelt. I keep saying this, but I know very little about the military experience, and I really learned so much through Max's characters and honest depiction of so many intimate experiences and moments that only a Marine would experience. It's a quick read, and everyone should pick up a copy. Um, We were having some internet issues, so there's some pieces missing, but I wanted to put everything that I had from our discussion because I think Max is so thoughtful and what he has to say is worth hearing. Cool. Um, Yeah, I I read your book and it was amazing. Did you think so? Yeah, it was it was awesome and so moving and like the drawing is incredible. Well, thank you so much. I uh, I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> it was uh, it was a long it's a lot of work because uh, I, I did the whole thing by myself. So I I drew it and I inked it and I did all the toning and the lettering and I wrote the whole thing too. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was beautiful and like I I couldn't put it down. I actually I just read it straight, which like you said it went quickly, but I still I was just like page page page. Like it was so good. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really designed that way. It's designed, um, it was really specifically designed for, like, the flowing of the reading of it. Um, I really wanted it to be, like, you just flowed through the pages and, like, didn't really, it's almost like a subconscious thing. Like, you're reading it, and you don't really think about where you are, but you know where you are in the book. And so I was sort of designing it in that way to make it easy mm-hmm. to kind of digest as a as a because it's supposed to be like a feature film but in a comic book form so i needed it to have that kind of uh subconscious um understanding of it while you're reading it so you're not like so distracted by the artwork or anything mm-hmm. coming home you, you have to it's like eventually you just have to accept certain things and like put aside the fact that you know people are not going to understand your experience yeah and that's that's really important too i think that um for my part, like as a veteran who's been to Iraq a couple of times and, and came home and dealt with it, like I think that uh, you, I think the, the best adjusted veterans, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. um, are the ones that, that kind of learn to let go. They're the ones that kind of learn to like, you know, get over it. <laughs> and and, and I, don't, I don't mean that like obviously you need to get over it, but I mean like um, the ones that can really separate themselves from and really just like not think about it anymore not uh let it consume their lives mm-hmm. um and let it kind of like be the uh the defining factor about their character mm-hmm. um the, the, those those are the veterans that tend to do the best on the outside of the military yeah um and that's that's really hard to do i, I struggled a lot uh when i first got out with mm-hmm. that kind of thing separating myself kind of mentally from my marine corps max and like who am i as a fucking person like as an individual um it's difficult it is This next segment is a response um, to a question that I had had about a scene where a bullet flies through a window while Abe and some of the other men are standing guard at a post. 
Yeah, so the the scene in the book where where uh, they're standing post, where they they join uh, Stevens and Nash uh, in the post, and uh, they talk about the camel spider and the dude fucking the goat and everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yeah, the, so they get shot at by a sniper and they all they all duck to the ground and uh, they just have to like wait there, um, and uh, they wait for the all clear. They wait for the platoon to go and like you know clear the area. Uh, before they can get up they can't shoot back because they can't see the enemy they don't know who they're they're trying to shoot at um and that was a really important uh sort of creative decision for me was i wanted to tell the story about going to iraq and about the marine corps experience and about the war in iraq but without actually showing the enemy like i I wanted to like i wanted there to never be an actual enemy uh because it, it it um in real life the whole situation is so confusing um i really wanted to uh, embody that in the book and really show that by Abe never really knowing who the enemy is or if he's even really out of war or like what what is war like how do you define that sort of concept mm-hmm. um, and so throughout the book you never actually see the enemy but there is obviously a really violent event that happens somebody is trying to kill them but uh, it's always a sort of mysterious looming presence the sort of like boogeyman of the, we're at, in Iraq and this is a war you know you're in a war because the context of it is you're in a war. You get to Iraq and it's like we're Marines and we're at war and whatever. But what does that even mean? Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to really show that by by not showing the enemy at all throughout the entire book. Mm-hmm. I, I also feel like just by the nature of it, you know, the, the enemy, of course, becomes one dimensional. And for people at home who don't get to go or go to Iraq, it's like it's just you only think about the enemy. But you're actually there and you're meeting local people like it's more, it has more dimensions to you. Um, I think what's it's really important for people to to understand with the war in Iraq and Afghanistan specifically is that it's a uh, it's a counterinsurgency operation. So you're not fighting like a uniformed nation state enemy that you know they have gear and bases and their whole thing. Um, you're really fighting the people and and the people. Uh, you know, are good and, and there's bad people, but they get inside the, the population and they can convert them and they can, uh, you know, get them to fight for them and pull all kinds of dirty tricks. So it's a really confusing situation. There is no clear enemy uh, in a counterinsurgency, which is why these wars have just dragged on forever and ever and ever because you never really know when you've won or when you've lost mm-hmm. uh, because there's no there's no rules, essentially. Uh, it's uh, It makes it hard. It makes it hard for the people fighting it and it makes it hard for the, the government, too, to figure out, like, you know, are we even making progress? But I mean, that's that's a whole other conversation for yeah, yeah, <laughs> a different thing. But yeah, and um, I think another another scene that I just really enjoyed and it was just interesting is when Abe is talking to that local guy who speaks English, and he's like, "You're so arrogant" and all that. Yeah, the uh, the Iraqi policeman. Um, and uh, when I was in Iraq, I talked with them all the time because like, we, we would go and help them out and do stuff. You know, we had a lot of interaction with the, uh, the Iraqi police. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that conversation, I wanted it to really uh, point out the, as the policeman says, the arrogance of Abe's kind of like personal uh, journey is, you know, trying to reach enlightenment, the expense of a very global conflict going on. Um, and so I wanted to point that out because that was, you know, I felt like that was sort of like my perspective. And then as I thought about it more, the more I realized just like how silly and arrogant that whole sort of outlook and, and uh, global view is. Um, and I don't think I, I knew that while I was in. Um, but I remember it. So there's a funny story behind that scene specifically. Uh, 
when I was writing it, I, I, the, the reason I even thought of it was because I posted like, this is stupid, but I posted this photo, um, of me in Iraq on Tumblr <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was like just a random picture I put up on Tumblr and I hashtagged it, um, Iraq is the tags. And, uh, some woman in Iraq actually had seen my photo because she was looking at the hashtags of Iraq and, um, she was like, I hate it when soldiers from the United States post photos and tag them Iraq. This country doesn't belong to you. It never did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, that was really interesting because, uh, you know, I mean, at first I was mad. I was like, oh, how dare she, like, you know, <laughs> take away my experience or whatever. Um, but it's just, it's interesting to think that semantically, even just the word Iraq, to me, embodies my experience embodies my experience whereas the word iraq really means the country of iraq and i'm not an iraqi and i have no uh vested interest in iraq other than my own time there Mm -hmm. um and so for me and i think for a lot of veterans like we don't we don't ever really stop to think about it ourselves like we this is not our country uh and so we we get i think it is a very arrogant um sort of way to look at it when you're just like, Iraq means my Iraq experience. And it's like, well, no, it actually means a country that people live in and people are from. And mm-hmm. um, you know, there's more to this than, than your experience uh, with it. So I, wanted to, I just wanted to point that out to myself, I think, with that scene and really um, put Abe's journey kind of into a perspective that um, uh, he would understand it <laughs> mm-hmm. as a character. Thank you so much for talking to me and taking time both times. <laughs> um, yeah. And the book was, it was really incredible. I'm going to recommend it to everyone. I loved it. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, you know, we're, we're working on some things that hopefully the book ends up being more than just a book, but we'll see. Nothing's uh, you know, set in stone. So That's the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Undefined Gen, a podcast about young people doing awesome things. And I'm your host, Marissa Comstock. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Max. Every interview I do, I learn so much. And this one was no different. I'm so grateful to Max for taking the time to share his thoughts. Come back next week. I'm not sure who my guest is going to be yet, but I know it will be undoubtedly awesome. See you next week. Bye, listeners.